I'm Kristen, and this is the Explorer in You podcast. Now, what I've discovered after visiting five continents and some amazing places is that the greatest thing standing in your way of seeing the world is what you believe is possible. I believe that travel is for everyone on any budget, and it doesn't have to be overwhelming. So this podcast is all about unlocking the Explorer in you. You'll hear stories from people who will inspire you to set big travel goals and show you how to achieve them. Let's explore. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. So today I'm speaking with Keelan Casey. She's an American who is currently living in Switzerland for the foreseeable future. And she's a writer for Bebe Voyage, if you haven't heard of Bebe Voyage, they're a community of traveling parents. They have a blog and they provide resources for other parents who want to continue traveling. So on her Instagram account, she shares beautiful photos of Switzerland. I just love them. She writes great posts. She's pretty funny. And I just really enjoyed what she was putting out there and She wrote this article for Bebe Voyage around getting asked the question, where are you from? And I just found it so interesting. So I asked her to be on the show. So this show is not only a little insight into what it's been like to live in Switzerland for the past year, fun places to visit, but it's also a conversation around identity. What does it mean to be an American of mixed race, living in another country, and to be asked that question, where are you from? And we also talked about how has her identity changed from having a successful career working on the show Sesame Street to becoming a trailing spouse. Now, I hadn't heard the term trailing spouse before, but it basically means you're the spouse who gave up your career to follow your partner on their work assignment. And we also talk about labels, the ones that are put on us by others, and the importance of defining your own identity. Let's get into the show. So I wanted to uh, start off by asking you to just tell us a little bit about yourself, and you're located in Switzerland right now, so how you came to to be living in Switzerland. Yeah, it's... um not a place I ever really imagined myself living, but um, here I am. And uh, I, I grew up, I was, I was born in Los Angeles actually, but um, grew up um, in the Washington DC area. And um, Washington DC is such an international diverse city. There are people from all walks of life, um, whether it's, you know, diplomatic families living, you know, working in embassies or people coming to study um, or just huge immigrant populations from all over the world. Uh, it's, it's a really great place if you are curious about other cultures and meeting other people. And I definitely grew up um, with that sense of being interested in other, other people, other cultures, other walks of life. That was very um that's definitely part of the mindset of people growing up in that area or living in that area. Um, I lived in New York City, um, another <laughs> very mixed um, city and uh, just people from all walks of life. 
Um, and I think living in these places that are so um, diverse and so welcoming of other people and um, that really celebrate people's differences and are, are welcoming of them um, gives you such a, a curious mindset um, that just is something that I've grown up with and have always kind of tried to foster in myself. Um, but Switzerland <laughs> came from my husband, um, who's actually German, but living in the States, we had always talked about what would we do when we have kids and how would we want to raise them um, in this American and European German um, way? How could we go about doing that? It's very important to us that um, our kids feel as equally German, European as they do American. Um, and so we thought that the best way for them to really have that um, authentic part of their identity was to try living in Europe for a while. Um, and we lucked out that my husband's company actually has an office in Switzerland. So um, when we had our first son, we uh, really started to put the, the bug in the ear of, uh, his, of his office, of his employer, that uh, we'd be interested in a transfer abroad. So um, it, took, it took a little bit of time and patience to get there, but um, it worked out and we live, or we moved to Switzerland um, a little bit over a year ago now. So um, we've been here, it's been one year, a COVID year, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, so did you move right before COVID? We moved right before we we got here okay. January of 2020, and then you know by mid March everything had shut down. So uh, it was a very strange uh, time to be moving here. Um, it's been very strange. <laughs> it's still strange, unfortunately, but um, it's been great. We've already been able to do and see so much here. Yeah, I'm sure COVID added another layer of complication because I'm sure picking your life up and moving to an, another country is challenging, let alone with kids. Yes. Um, so how have you been able to, to navigate that? Yeah, well, when we first moved here, I mean, I, I that really in January, it wasn't even a, a thought. I think in most people's minds, maybe you had read a little tiny bit about it in the news, but um, nothing. And then by February, it was scary. I mean, everybody was really panicked and afraid. Like, what, what does this mean? Um, how do you get it? Wiping down groceries, all of that, you know, basic COVID anxiety that everybody was going through. Then we, on top of that, were like, oh, we're alone here, thousands of miles from anybody who could help us. What if one of us gets sick? What if both of us get sick? You know, what, what happens to our very, very small children um, <laughs> who don't know anybody? We don't know anybody. Uh, so it was a very anxious time. We're also, you know, just trying to find a place to live, uh, <laughs> figure out your day-to-day -day life in a new place. Uh, so it was, um, it was a lot. It was, it was rough. Um, 
it was probably a low point personally, just mental health wise, you know, I mean, I think for everybody, everybody's had a hard time this year. Um, So just, it was such a crazy thing to have a dream come true of moving abroad, but then also having this um, really difficult time for the entire world uh, happening at the same time. So it was, uh, looking back now, I can reflect on it and kind of, (laughs) what did I learn from this, if anything, or just sort of give myself like a little bit of grace. But at the time, it was was intense. It was tough. yeah, I, I bet. And so how is, um, how are things looking now? It's funny. I kind of was, had a, a, a lot of relief being in Europe during the summer um, of last year because the U.S. Um, was doing so terribly. I mean, a lot of anxiety for my parents and loved ones, but um, we got to enjoy sort of a, a normal life in the summertime here. Um, but now I'm, <laughs> it's the opposite. It seems like the U S is starting to do so well. And in Europe, you know, we're kind of going downhill again, where the numbers are, are going up and, um, the vaccines have not been administered as quickly as they are in the U S there's a big shortage. There's a lot of red tape. Um, so it's, it's getting frustrating and Italy and France are looking at, you know, lockdowns again. And, um, so we're sort of still at a a standstill. Being in Switzerland, I mean, it's a very outdoorsy place, right? Yes. Um, It seems like it'd be a really beautiful place to (laughs) be stuck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. To be stuck. And so, you know, on kind of maybe more positive note, um, like how have you embraced just being there and, and what are some things that, um, you just find that you've found really great about Swiss culture or maybe the, um, you know, environment that you're in or around? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the great things is that, you know, we, when we moved to Europe, we had all of these plans of like, oh, we're going to go visit my husband's family in Germany and we'll go to, you know, we're going to go to Paris and we're going to go to Spain and we're going to go all over the place. Um, but we've really been forced to stay in Switzerland. And I'm not sure we would have really done that if it weren't for COVID. So we've really been able to um, staycation in a brand new place and a really unbelievably beautiful place. So um, uh, I I am really grateful that we've been able to see so much of Switzerland. You know, I, I think in the U.S. we have a mindset of like a road trip mentality and driving 10, 15 hours or cross country is not a big deal. Um, and in Switzerland, everything is, you know, four hours away max. So um, we've done so many trips like that. Um, I think one of the things that I found most surprising about Switzerland, and it it was, I guess, probably, I guess my own ignorance that I just didn't realize how, um, how different each region of Switzerland is. There's the German part in the center where we are, um, which does feel very stereotypically German. Sorry to say, you know, it is, (laughs) it is, um, a lot of the typical Swiss that you would think, you know, chalets and fondue and, um, you know, cuckoo clock kind of 
mm-hmm. alpine landscape. That's what it is here. Heidi-esque. Which is, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Heidi, chocolate. Right. That's what we're living in. And it's beautiful. But then there's the French part of Switzerland, which, uh, you know, you go to cities like Montreux and Bevay, and it really does feel like you are in the south of France. Um, wow. It's, yeah, a really beautiful, unbelievably blue um, water and the lakes and flowers. Um, and then in the Italian part of Switzerland, it feels like you're on the Mediterranean. It's it's really, really cool. And um, been so much fun to, to get to know each of those regions um, and feel like you're going much farther away than you really are. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty amazing place to sort of be not stuck is not the right word, but you know, (laughs) limited in your, in your movement, because it's almost like you're getting three countries in one, uh, which sounds really, really amazing and beautiful. Um, My husband and I were supposed to go to Switzerland in September of last year. um, And we were going to go, we were going to sort of focus on central and then down to the Italian part um, Mm. because uh, we hadn't been to Italy for a long time, but um, so it's yeah, just seeing your Instagram account is just I'm loving. I've been loving all the pictures of Switzerland oh, yeah. and just like, yeah. okay, that's, that's where we're going to go someday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it really is uh, so remarkable, the, the natural beauty here and the nature and you can understand why the Swiss are so proud of that and are such outdoor enthusiasts. And that is such a huge part of life here and culture here, which is completely new to me. I'm like museum and cafe girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, you know, my, that's sort of where I feel comfortable and recharged. And of course they have that here in Zurich and things like that. But, um, really Switzerland is about being outside and if it's, you know, hiking and skiing and being on the lake, um, that's, that's what the culture here is really focused on. And, um, so it's been sort of a change in mentality for me. Um, but you know, it's, it's been great. So have you found yourself embracing the outdoors more yeah, definitely. Um, I I think, and you know, another thing that sort of COVID forced me to do too, because a lot of these places that I probably, you know, I would have spent a lot of time in art museums and things like that in this past year, but they've been closed. So, right. um, it, you know, and also I just not feeling comfortable being in places like that. You know, we've all wanted to sort of sit outdoors as much as we can. Um, and so we've been forced to go on hikes and be at the lake and uh, forced, I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but yeah, it's been, it's really um, expanded our, our mindset of, you know, where we find, um, you know, um, where, what we find interesting and where we feel recharged. And it, it's really hard not to feel that way with the nature here. Uh, sure. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like it helped you to just discover Switzerland in a different way than you yeah. thought originally. Um, yeah. And then so, you know, moving to a Duke country, it's, I know it's a big deal um, for most people. Do you have any tips on 
sort of how to embrace life in a new country? Yeah, I mean, I think um, from what I have observed here, there are kind of two groups of people. There are people who have moved here for a job and they're here knowing that they're going to be here for a set amount of time. And um, for them, it's more about, you know, getting what, what they can out of the experience, but always in the back of their mind, knowing like this is short term. Um, and so I don't really need to learn the language. I can sort of be in this bubble of people from my own country or who speak my language and feel like a guest in this country. And you can get a lot out of um, living abroad that way, for sure. Um, and then there are people kind of like my family who are just sort of here until we don't know. And so it's, um, you do feel like you want to know as much as you can about the culture and um, figure out ways to if not, you know, immerse yourself or assimilate yourself into the culture, but at least to, you know, you know that you're investing your part of your life here and um, taking full advantage of that. So I, I think it would, it's helpful to kind of determine what your own situation and goals are. Mm -hmm. um, and then to just go easy on yourself too. I think it's really hard. It's really hard to move to a new country and you want to do everything you can as soon as possible. And um, it, I, for me, it's, I think it's been about taking your time, knowing that you're not going to make friends and speak a language and find things easy um, <laughs> as you know quickly as you would like but um that it will it will all come and as long as you are curious and you're open to learning that um that it's gonna happen um i, I think for me uh, and i think a lot of women um, moving abroad for their partner's job. I hate to say that because I love my career, but I did leave my career <laughs> to move here. And I find that a lot of women um, are what they call trailing spouses, um, living here, giving oh, up I've a job. Oh, I've never heard that term. Yes, um, giving up kind of a life to follow their partner. And um, I have certainly met some women who have moved here for their own careers, um, but not as many as I would like. Uh, I say that as somebody who <laughs> is not, but um, um, it, it's, it's difficult in that situation, if, especially if you've, if you're coming from having a career and your own independent life. Um, so if, if you are a partner, um, moving uh, for your, your partner's job, it is really important to also just find something for yourself. That would be probably my biggest piece of advice is to find something to occupy your days, whether that's a job or it's, you know, saying I'm going to really focus on uh, learning the language or, uh, you know, a hobby, something, meeting friends, starting your own business, doing something. It's, um, 
really important to have that sense of independence. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of us, our careers, um, they're part of our identity and they give us a sense of purpose. For sure. Yeah. And uh, what I hear you saying is that, um, you know, if you kind of, if that sort of big component of your life is taken away, then you have to mm-hmm. think about, well, how am I going to refill that? You know, how am I going to mm-hmm. create um, that? Not necessarily in a job, but other ways. Um, yeah. So that I'm still growing and I'm still, yeah. uh, you know, finding value in, in what I do. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, it can be very isolating, you know, if you're moving here or moving somewhere that you don't know anybody. I mean, it doesn't have to be abroad. It can be just moving anywhere where you don't know anybody. As an adult, you know, it's really hard to uh, find ways to make friends. It sounds like there's a big international community. So I'm curious about, does that make people who are from Switzerland see them as like, oh, they're not going to stay here anyways, kind of why invest? You know, I'm curious, is that part Mm -hmm. of attitude or people generally, um, you know, just welcoming and... Yeah, I think um, that for sure is a struggle, especially the city where I am. Um, It's a city called Zug and it's uh, a, a... very much a heavy expat community. Um, and I, I think that there, there definitely is this sort of struggle between the locals and this community where, um, of course, it's great for their economy to have this influx of business, but culturally the Swiss are very proud of their own culture and their own way of doing things. And um, I think that they're a little bit threatened in some ways of, of an influx of new people coming in. Um, and then, yeah, for sure, like you said, it's this sense of, well, they're not gonna stay. So why invest my time in, a friendship, but uh, I think that there is a lot of that, but I also think that it all matters. It all depends on your attitude and your, you know, how you're going about things. If you are open and friendly and, um, you know, curious about Swiss culture and wanting to learn Swiss German and you just make the effort to, um, you know, show that you are enjoying your time in Switzerland and you're, um, that goes a long, long way. Uh, it doesn't always go all the way. I have certainly been told in some shops, you know, why did you just tell me that you speak English? (laughs) I could just help you with that. I'm like, well, I'm trying here. I'm trying to learn. And they're just like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have time for this. Um, so it depends, but I think, uh, especially, with um, younger people, um, you know, if you are, if you're trying, they're going to help you. Um, I, I think it is a maybe somewhat accurate stereotype that the Swiss are a bit hard to crack. And I think, you know, the like Germanic culture, it, you know, it's a bit more reserved. And, um, but I, I think that that is also just a stereotype. You know, there is that, but you kind of get what you give. And um, yeah, I, I've, I've certainly found that to be true. That being said, I don't really have a ton of Swiss friends here. <laughs> Not 
not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Still working on it. You've only been there a year and uh, most of it's been on lockdown. Right, exactly. It's uh but at least it, it's easier. I've got my little wingmen with kids, you know, that, that's like icebreaker right there. Um, so it's good. So speaking of, we're talking about career a little bit and you actually write for, is it Bebe Voyage? Yep, Bebe Voyage. Yeah. And so that's a family travel community. And so can you tell me about um, the community a little bit and then how you came to write for them? Yeah, so um, Baby Voyage is a great um, community of parents from all over the, the world um, who travel with their kids. So it's uh, really a resource, a travel resource um, where you can go. Our, our Facebook community is a, a really great uh, group because um, you can just go on there and say, uh, help, I'm traveling with my three-year-old and my, you know, six-year-old and I ran out of, I don't know what to do with them on an airplane. Like, please give me some new ideas. Um, and you're going to get a ton of parents saying, Oh, try this. I was just on a flight. And if you take, you know, go to target and get this thing. And, um, so just kind of detailed information like that about, you know, tips for traveling. Um, and, but then also, you know, helping to plan um, your your vacations and things like that through our our content on our website, um, and then connecting people with um, with parents in cities all over the world. Um, so it's a really great community of parents who are really like minded in the sense that they want to they don't want to stop traveling and exploring just because they happen to have kids um, it's almost on the contrary you know you want to raise your kids um, with this sense that this is just part of our normal life and exploring the world is part of our identity and who we are um, and um, uh, it's it's a really great group of parents and it's a great team of people from all over the world who are really passionate about um, talking about different cultures, different festivals, different foods, different books, all these things that can enhance your kids um, outlook on on the world and kind of open their eyes and lead them to be you know, kind of global citizens what we like right. to say. So, yeah. yeah, it sounds like a wonderful, wonderful community. And so you connected with them to write some articles or? Yeah, so I actually joined the group um, right after I had my first son because um, we were uh, planning while well, I was still on maternity leave to go uh, to Germany to introduce them to some of my husband's family there. Um, and somebody had recommended, a friend had recommended the group uh, for, you know, just like I said, ideas for, you know, please to talk me off the ledge about <laughs> traveling with a baby. Is this crazy? Um, can I do this? Um, so I had been using the group just for my own, you know, trip planning kind of thing and then uh, reached out to, um, to write for them and to and now so I'm writing um, articles mostly about living abroad and um, traveling in in Europe 
uh, with toddlers, with really little kids. Um, and then I also create uh, social media content for them. Um, so, nice. Yeah. yeah. And I know yeah. that, you know, you've shared, I think you had a recent article with them as well, but I know that, you know, on your Instagram account, you've definitely shared about, you know, how important it is to acknowledge the realities of being a parent <laughs> instead of sort of painting this pretty picture. Um, and I know that you got a lot of re reactions to that, that just that one post. Um, so I think it really resonated with a lot of parents, a lot of moms. Um, so I'm curious about how living in a different culture has maybe affected how you approach parenting? Has it given you a different perspective or awareness? Um, yeah, let's start, let's start with that. Yeah. Um, I, th I think it has just in the sense of, I mean, I'm, I have two kids, but I'm a relatively new parent. I mean, my, my kids are only three and a half and two. Um, and so it is interesting to sort of be, I mean, this is like parenting is for sure. Like, a on the job training thing. I mean, yeah, I, you can read any book you want to read, but you're never going to, nothing's going to prepare you for <laughs> the reality. Actually, yeah. Reality <laughs> and day-to-day -day life is. So, um, to be going through this sort of learning curve of even being a parent, <laughs> um, and then in, uh, you know, removed from my parents, um, and then being in a completely foreign culture to me is, is kind of interesting. Um, and it is, you know, you learn a lot of, about people and about parents from just observing on the playground, I think. And uh, you can tell who the American moms are, by <laughs> how close they are to their kids. And like, are they kind of the, the ones who are going, <gasps> careful, careful, don't, don't climb on that and don't get down from there. Um, like, that's me. Um, and then the laid back, more laid back Swiss and European parents are, you know, having their coffee and chatting with each other and uh, <laughs> letting their kids kind of, you know, go do what they want because well, that's how they learn. Um, and so it is for me interesting to be around so many different parenting perspectives, whether it's the Swiss or people who are living here, you know, from the UK and Ireland and all over Europe um, to just see how people approach things differently um, is definitely uh, influencing what I do, um, or at least I'm trying to take the good parts <laughs> that I'm observing. Um, so yeah, it does affect for sure that. And then also my kids are in um, like nursery school here. Uh, it's a bilingual school. So they're speaking German and English. And um, it, I, you know, that's that I know it affects their outlook and their perspective too, having those um, influences. So it's going to be, I think, a really interesting couple few years we have coming up where we're all sort of figuring out how we blend all of these things together. <laughs> um, yeah. And it sounds like, you know, I, I didn't really think about that in terms of the exposure to really different cultures in the parenting sense. 
you know, mm-hmm. how different it sounds like um, yeah. it is and yeah. how contrasting it can be. Um, just watching these parents approach their kids differently. And it yeah. seems like it probably, you probably can't help but take from that, you know, something, yeah. you know, um, and, and exactly. kind of have it inform maybe how you parent. Yeah. I mean, just the thing I, I, I was saying earlier that um, I'm definitely more of like a museum and cafe and cultural kind of person. <laughs> but here um, it's very much outdoors, outdoors, outdoors. People are outside with their kids. If it's, you know, freezing weather for me, if it's really cold and if it's drizzling, I mean, I'm inside. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not going to catch a cold. No, like the the day's canceled. I'm done. I'm not doing anything. (laughs) I don't even want to go to the grocery store. I I just, you know, no, that's good. Um, But here that is not the case. Um, When my my son first started school, the school had to tell me like, he needs like gear. He needs this specific clothing. He needs these rain pants and a waterproof coat and I'm like rain pants I don't know what this rain pants so I had to go to a local you know kid store and luckily they're like okay let me here you need this you need this you know showing me um how to outfit a Swiss child um so that they can play outside in the rain um and that's what we do now. My kids don't really leave the house without wearing their waterproof gear because kids here are playing in the dirt. They're playing in the mud. They're playing in the, the you know, um, in the elements here. And uh, that is not the way I grew up. <laughs> that's not my my background. So um, just even doing th- little things like that have been such a it's it's, you know, a challenge, but it's good. Yeah, it's good to, um, I mean, they're already having experiences that, you know, were maybe you didn't have and, and then you're learning through them, you know, right. like, oh, what is that like to have a childhood where you're just out of the elements all the time? Right, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Explorers, we'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I wanted to take just a few seconds to invite you to the free workshop that I created. It's called The Three Secrets to Starting Your Successful Podcast. Now, it's all about helping you to start your dream podcast so that you can share your voice and expand your business. If you want to join, just go to explorerandyou.com. It's totally free. All right, friend, back to the show. And so for anyone planning on visiting Switzerland, when we can all move about the world again, Mm -hmm. what's one place that... uh, we shouldn't miss going to Switzerland and that is kid friendly. I mean, it's tough because like I said, there are so many different parts of Switzerland that it's hard to name one, but I I would say my favorite place that we have traveled here um, that I think is not really, not that this isn't famous, but I think a lot of people, when they think of Switzerland, they think of winter sports and ski vacations. But I am telling you that Swiss in the summer, Switzerland in the summer is unbelievable. It is so beautiful here. Um, and my favorite place um, that we've been to so far is uh, Montreux, um, in the French side of the country um, and all the surrounding towns. 
Um, it, it's just so beautiful. It feels like you are, like I said, in the south of France and on the Mediterranean and um, lots for kids to do, lots of parks, playgrounds, lakes that are, you know, perfect for swimming. And um, then there are beautiful wineries. That's another thing. I feel like the Swiss are very secretive about the good stuff that they have here. Got it. Um, wine included. Switzerland has amazing wine, um, which I had no idea about. Um, now, is that so, the area where I, th I think I've seen pictures where the sort of mountain vineyards kind of go down to like a beautiful blue yes Lake. yes oh yeah that i mean it's just stunning. stunning it really is uh, it's it's really unbelievable and i i just i guess i just did not really do my homework about all that switzerland entails because i i was not expecting things like that um but that's that would be you know i love i love central switzerland and zurich and sort of the the um typical alpine culture and views that you get here in this area um but uh that that really i think it's a special place over there yeah it looks from the pictures it just looks like this gem like this magical yeah. place yeah. Um, it really is yeah okay well it's, it's on the list of places to go <laughs> uh, when we can um so you wrote this article that i found really really interesting and it was about being at, when people ask you where are you from when you're living abroad and so can you talk about how this question can be loaded and how it can be a little complicated for people who are mixed race or from another country yeah just tell us a little bit about your I guess your intent for that that piece I, I found it really interesting and very honest yeah, thank you. I mean, um, I did not really expect to kind of confront these thoughts while I was here. It was not some not yet another thing that I was not expecting. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, in the United States, that question is really loaded. Where are you from or, or what are you? Because they want to know where are you really from? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's a question that I have gotten, you know, most of my life being half Mexican and half white. And, um, you know, people are always trying to like, I've spent a lot of my life with people looking at me, like trying to guess, playing a little game about where I'm from. And I'm just standing there like, okay. Um, <laughs> You know, and I, I, um, I have never really had a huge issue with that question. I know a lot of people do, but I also know that I come from a place of really presenting white and I don't have the experience of racism directly, you know, towards me. Um, so the question has never really bothered me in that way, but I've always tried to come up with a really like quick answer for it so that it doesn't get weird. <laughs> and my answer has always just been like, I'm Mexican and Irish, I'm half Mexican, I'm half Irish. And people are like, oh, okay, are you sure? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, still, it's like a strange question, but um, that's always been my answer. And so then moving here, when people are asking that question, where are you from? They don't have any agenda behind it. You know, they're not, they're not trying to ask my ethnicity or um, they're really wanting to just know where I moved from. <laughs> but still getting that question kind of what made me think like, I'm from the United States, but I've been so used to talking about the other parts that make, you know, my story and just saying that I'm from the United States feels like it's not the whole picture. Um, you know, it, it was just a really interesting thing to, to confront these two different answers to a question that I've been getting for so long. Um, and then, yeah, I, I talk about how that has sort of led to a bit of imposter syndrome because can I claim that I'm really Mexican? You know, I mean, my mom's family is from Mexico, but I don't speak Spanish. I have a very Irish name. I, like I said, you know, I've never been, um, in a situation where racism has, you know, been directed towards me. I've overheard many things or have been part of conversations where people don't realize, you know, that I am Latina. Um, so, it, you know, it's, uh, it's been interesting to think about how I phrase things, how I identify what, you know, what rightly can I claim as part of my identity and experience. Um, and then also just like what all of that means, um, you know, what, what am I really looking for here besides labels, you know, what, what am I looking for? Um, what's important to me? Why am I, what kind of things do I want to have for myself that I can give to my kids? Um, yeah, so it's just been like a lot of, of, of thinking about that. And that article really helped me to sort of think through that and verbalize it. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, so it was nice to hear that. Yeah, I think so too. I know when I lived abroad, it was very eye-opening because I felt as though, I think when people asked me uh, where I was from, I think I would say, so similarly, I'm, I'm Mexican and Irish, um, <laughs> but I only have, I have one, Irish grandfather. So I'm like three quarters and a quarter. And so I would respond similar to like you were saying, like, oh, I'm Mexican and Irish. But that didn't seem to be enough. And I think what they were really asking was more on like a nationality level, like you were saying, like what I realized is people saw me as American first. And then mm -hmm. everything else was Kind of secondary in that yep. you know living abroad especially in europe you realize that the label american has a lot of connotations like there's a very specific idea of what an american is and i think that yes. label was definitely put there first and then everything else was mm -hmm. kind of like meh okay well we don't really, we don't necessarily care i think i found that some people didn't really even know where mexico was which i found was really strange i'm like <laughs> it's pretty big well-known country, but so that part was interesting. Um, and so, yeah, that, that sense of identity was 
I saw it through a different lens for sure, being outside of the country mm-hmm. and seeing how other people perceive me. Um, and then, you know, being um, sort of ambiguous looking, you know, people aren't quite sure. Um, you know, I've I've heard all kinds of guesses, um, you know, from all over yeah. the, the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I have read them with yeah, you. And so, <laughs> I'll look <into> yeah. Them. <laughs> yeah. And I think what happens a lot is we can start to be influenced by outside beliefs and perspectives. I think for me, what's been really important is to focus more internally, like, because I think that's where it gets really out of alignment and in my head about other people's perceptions instead of, you know, yeah. um, oh, how do I feel and how do I identify and what do I know to be true about myself? Um, but I think those experiences can also help you get really clear on what that is and to care yeah. less about how other people label you and realize, oh, it's really more about um, like, no one can tell me who I am or, you know, I identify as how I identify. So. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the more that when I wrote about this and the more I talked about it, the more that I realized that everybody's going through this and almost like, every Latina is going through this. It's, it seems to be really kind of a, a unique situation, especially for Latinas. And nobody really feels like they are Latin enough. <laughs> um, you know, everybody is sort of thinking like, oh, well, my Spanish isn't great. Or, oh, well, I'm this, or I'm, you know, third generation, I'm this, I'm, you know putting all of these excuses, um, you know, I, on why they are not this or why they don't belong. When I think when everybody actually starts talking to one another, it's like, no, of course, what, what are you talking about? Of course you belong. Like you, you are who you are. You are who you are, you know, you grew up with, with whatever, you know, amount of that culture that, and if that's important to you, then you have every right to claim that part of yourself. And I think that that has been something that I've been, um, when we moved here, have really started to do is just say, what, what parts of me, like you said, like, what parts do I want? What's important to me? Um, what's important that lives on um, with my kids that they know that this is part of who they are too. Um, And there's no apologizing for that or making excuses for, well, how much, what percentage. Right. Yeah. What are the things that you can check off that prove that you're like, like there's this imaginary list that we're trying to check (laughs) these boxes for. And I don't know if it's like, a society thing of, and I think for women, definitely we're always told that we're not enough in some sort of way. Um, And so I don't know if it's some of those ideas kind of seeping into the identity conversation. Um, But I think you're right that people are thinking about this. People are feeling the same way. And it's when you talk about it that you really realize, oh, they're they're feeling that way too. And that's why I was glad that you had published that piece because 
I've come across that a lot where once someone starts talking about it, I totally see my experience in their story. And then I feel less alone. And then I'm like, oh, everyone's feeling this um, not enough, you know, when really at the end of the day, um, we're all enough and our experiences are valid just as they are. And I think we're not getting those messages enough. And I think we're not being, we're not supporting each other enough because we're kind of like, oh, I'm probably the one feeling, only one feeling this way. And then I have shame about it. So I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. And, you know, as much as Instagram can be a place where people are just putting on, you know, a pretty filter over their their life. I think it also can be a place in social media in general for people to find that that honesty and to find that community um, and to express that. And um, I, I think that you know that's that's one great thing about about it. And you're right. When people do start talking to one another, I think especially women um, that there is this power of wait a second, <laughs> how come nobody told me that, okay, I thought I was crazy. <laughs> I thought there was something wrong with me. Wait, you did that too? Okay, then what? what? Then that makes everybody feel like, you know, they, they're, like you said, not alone. And there's so much power in that, in um, that sort of, I don't know, it sounds cheesy to say, but like sisterhood of, coming together and being honest um, when there are so many things about our society that are trying to, you know, pit women against one another. And we buy into that for in so many ways, you know, for so many reasons. But when when everybody is just honest, you find out that you have so much in common and that goes for women that goes for, like I said, with the Swiss, you know, if you are, if you're open, if you are um, giving, if you are earnest and honest um, in your effort and your experience, that that just creates so many, so many new, you know, roads. Yeah. So it's been, it's been um, really cool to see that community of women respond to the things that you're writing and the the questions you're asking in your posts and just kind of having these thoughtful dialogues about being who you are. So I like to end my interviews with this question. I'd really love to hear you tell me about a travel experience that brought you joy. I mean, my, my, so my husband and I are really, I feel like that's what has brought us together as travel. We've been to 40 over 45 countries together and um yeah that's that's our thing that's our you know what we love to do and this kind of sense of adventure is something that has kept us together for sure and um you know I I think though for all the places we've been I it's a little cliche but our honeymoon was just such a sort of culmination of all the traveling we had done together and um uh we went to uh, Italy Greece and Turkey and it was just easy romantic beautiful food water um you know just peace uh, it was just such a special time in our lives, of course, but then also just the trip itself was um, 
really, I mean, you can't beat those places. That's like, <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that was pre-kids the best, um, most like when I think back on it, just kind of brings me to so much like peace and joy. Um, but then I have to choose, sorry to cheat one more because I'm going to include with kids. Um, That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like the first, like I said, the first time my kid, we took my first son out of the country, he was only four months old and that was kind of a nightmare, but <laughs> <laughs> a learning opportunity. <laughs> yes, for sure. I learned a lot. Um, but you know, the first time we just did like an easy vacation to the beach was just so nice. And it just kind of showed me like what, how you want to look through the, at the world through this new set of eyes and that you, um, uh, how important it is to, to show your kids the world and do things like that with them and, um, have these experiences outside of their, uh, day to day. Uh, it's just such a great way to learn and connect with them in such a, in such a unique way. So that, the first time we really did like a vacation like that, where he was sort of able to know what he was doing was, uh, was really special too. Nice. <laughs> Those both sound like beautiful memories. Thank you so much for chatting with me and being such a great guest and sharing your experience. Thank you so much for having me. I Love your podcast and I can't wait to keep following what you're doing and hear who you're talking to. And I think what you're doing is so unique and important and sharing such a range of voices and experiences is something that's really needed in the world. But I think especially in the travel industry um, to amplify voices who um, you know don't always historically have had their, their stories told. So I think it's really cool. Thank um, you what you're doing and we're trying to do that a little on baby voyage too so yes check out baby voyage and then also um where can people find you yeah so um i'm also on instagram um i'm at the the ami mommy um ami is like a german term for american oh okay um, to so. know that <laughs> Yes. So that's my little cutesy name. Um, I'm there and then I have my, my writing on Baby Voyage. So uh, I'm talking all Swiss all the time over on Instagram. And <laughs> Very cool. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Explorer and You podcast. Don't worry, we have a new episode every week. Subscribe so you don't miss it. And don't forget to visit explorerandyou.com for more inspiration and tips. If you want to share the love, you're welcome to send this podcast to others. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.